All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. It is a March 9th edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Tyler Uremchuk and Frank Saravalli with you. Frank, how's it going? I'm good, Tyler. What's going on? Good, good. I wish I would have gotten the memo that we were matching our jackets to our hair, but uh, regardless, I'll move on. Let's throw no. two minutes and 30. <laughs> this this is camo. It's not even gray. It's, I would call this beige. My hair is white. That's got silver in it. That's got silver in it. This, 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 oh man, that is offensive. Okay. Well, the, the hair is all I have. Like, how do you come on? <laughs> it was a compliment, a nice silver jacket for the silver haired millennial. Uh, let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and get into what was a wild night around the NHL last night, Frank. 11 games in total, an average of 7.7 goals per game. There were some absolute shootouts around the league and big stories that came out of these games as well. As you can see, the Devils erased a three goal deficit, scored five unanswered against Colorado. You had an Austin Matthews hat trick in the Leafs win over the Kraken. The Arizona Coyotes tying a franchise record with nine goals. Nick Schmaltz picks up another four points. He's the hottest man on earth right now. Alex Ovechkin, he scores twice. He's now moved into a tie with Yarmir Yager with 766 goals. And then the two late games as well. Tampa and Winnipeg, they put up 11. And then there was 11 between Washington and Anaheim as well. I just rattled off in record time, Frank, the, the big headlines from last night. But what caught your attention? Well, first, I hope you played the over because that was the prevailing bet last night. I think only one game going under, which is amazing. Um, but more to the point, what caught my eye is Nick Schmaltz. Like, you know, Patrick Kane, he's like, I I'm going to chase him. He, he said they actually messaged each other uh, being former teammates. And he said he was trying to, to get to his seven point game. He could only get six. And by the way, Schmaltz comes out with another four. And that's 11 in his last two games. 
ridiculous run that he's been on in these last two games. Like you see, you'd have to go back, uh, you know, almost as old as I am to see uh, two players that have done better than Nick Schmaltz in a two game span, Bernie Nichols and Mario Lemieux, both in 1988, the year I was born, since you wanted to make the silver haired millennial reference. And uh, wow, uh, Schmaltz just, on a heater, it actually goes back much further. I know these 11 points pump up his total, but he's really been quite the player for the Arizona Coyotes over these last six weeks. Yeah, he's put up, what would that be, like somewhere between 25 and 30% of his offense in the last two games so far this year. It, it's absolutely unreal, the tear that he is on, and we'll have more on the Arizona Coyotes in uh, in just a second here. For me, the big thing that stands out, like I am fascinated with this Alex Ovechkin chase up the goal-scoring record list. Like I know we've talked, it feels like we've been talking about it for like five years already, um, but still, every time he hits these little milestones, it, it always catches my attention. And the other thing I just, this is one of the reasons I liked Ovi so much when I was a kid is every goal he celebrates like it's his first one. So obviously, I mean, there were boos raining down in Calgary, a lot of stuff off the ice with Ovi, but on the ice, he just continues his tear. Let's circle back to the Arizona Coyote zone. A really cool story came out of that game last night. Bill Kessel, talk about impressive stat lines, 30 seconds time on ice, one shot on goal against the Detroit Red Wings, and then bang. He is off the ice, giving the fist bumps to his players. He keeps the Ironman streak alive and then gets on a plane and flies back to be with his wife, who's giving birth to their first child. I, really, really great story, Frank. And also credit to the Coyotes for letting this happen as well and not just saying, no, you're not playing a 30-second shift and leaving, even going as far to make sure he's got a plane to get back to Arizona. Just all around a really a real feel-good story for Phil the Thrill. Yeah, a team that can't pay its tax bill on time is footing the bill for a private jet. That's actually really impressive considering the lack of spending overall that's come from the Arizona Coyotes and full marks to them for stepping up to do so and, and get a plane ready for Phil Kessel. You can tell how much uh, that Ironman streak means to him. I think it's only a matter of time uh, if he's able to keep going and remain healthy to pass Keith Yandel on that uh, all-time Ironman streak list. I think it's a race to 1,000 games. Um, you know, Yandel's play of late has sort of, uh, you know, made him a target at some point for a healthy scratch. I think the Flyers at this point with their season ha are just probably going to make it through to the end. Um, with regards to Phil Kessel and the streak, though, I got to tell you, I, I came away from watching that feeling like, I don't know, one game, I know it doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of 956, but it felt cheapened. You went all the way to Detroit knowing that you were going to skate one shift and then hop on a plane and leave. That's not really the spirit of the Ironman streak. And I know that you know people are going to say, oh, this is a hot take. Way to go. Congratulations. You win the hot take mitt for the week. But for me, I'm like, Eh, that's not really what this is all about. It's to kind of grind through and not just show up just to keep it alive when most guys and, and probably Phil Kessel himself would probably have just sat out this game and stayed home in Arizona to be near family with, with a birth impending. I don't know. I come away from it feeling like this is not really what it was meant to be. Yeah, and, and I definitely see that side as well. The Yotes are in Toronto tomorrow, I believe, is their next stop on the schedule. So I, I do get that it cheapens it a little, but you could also argue that Keith Yandel just being put in the lineup simply because he has an Ironman streak, not because he's earned a spot on the Flyers' third pairing, that maybe also cheapens Yandel's run too, right? 
Yeah, Either but way. I also think of of all the injuries that Yandel played through. All, you know, the eight teeth that he lost, the the ankle that needed massaging until three o'clock in the morning, and then play the full game. It's not like he then stepped on the ice the next game just to keep the streak going, and then retreated back to the locker room with his ankle or with his jaw or his teeth. That didn't happen. So. I don't know. You're right. Maybe the healthy scratch part and also the fact that Yandel was a healthy scratch in the playoffs and playoffs don't factor in. Maybe that's certainly part of it as well. A point that I hadn't considered and good one by you. Let's move on and talk about some uh, trade topics here. And we're going to dig in specifically to the goaltending market. And there are a handful of teams and a handful of GMs who are probably looking at their situation between the pipes and, you know, feeling a little bit of pressure. And you put together a list that'll go up on daily face off. You have three teams that you believe should be on, we'll call it high alert when it comes to their goaltending. The Leafs, the Oilers and the Kraken. Of those three, Frank, which one would you rank number one in terms of level of concern? The Toronto Maple Leafs, and they get the nod over the Oilers because the Oilers, this has gone on for so long, and I wonder or worry, I guess, if they do end up making a trade, will it be too little too late? The Oilers are just a 50-50 shot to make the Stanley Cup playoffs at this point. They've got a lot of work to do to get in. A goalie could certainly help if they can get on a run, but the Leafs are squarely in a playoff spot. There's pretty much nothing they can do uh, in order to not get in. They'd have to lose a ton down the stretch, and they've been winning in spite of their goaltending. But still, the fact of the matter is this for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Out of their last 26 games, in 14 of them, they've given up four or more goals. They also have a 16-8-2 record in that span, which is why maybe this run doesn't feel as bad as it should between the pipes. You know, you watch Jack Campbell even in Tuesday night's game. He's battling. He's trying. Some of the goals, certainly in the second period, weren't his fault. But at the end of the night, there's still a four spot on the board against the worst team or one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League in the Seattle Kraken. That's four games in a row that it's been four or more goals. Peter Morazic has been given every opportunity to run with the ball, and he's dropped it. He's given no show of confidence in either one of the Toronto Maple Leafs netminders. I know that everyone in the organization is behind Jack Campbell, but for me, how could you bet this roster with the way that they've played their ability to score and especially given their playoff woes in scoring on – This goaltending, when you get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, can they really outrun that for a four-round slog? I don't believe that they can. They haven't really shown in the last few weeks that they have the ability to turn the corner or that they will rebound. This is a crisis of confidence. And I think in a lot of ways, Jack Campbell has sort of regressed to the goaltender that a lot of people thought that he might be, which is why even as he was going on at the beginning of the season, you know, through the holidays at a 941 clip that people were saying this probably isn't going to last. And he wasn't really in the Vezina talk for top goaltender. Quickly, uh, as we wrap up this segment, you had a handful of teams that you had at medium level of concern, mini Vegas and Washington of those three, which one is the biggest risk to maybe get moved up into that high level? It's Vegas and it's all squarely on Robin Leonard's health quickly. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV, but I've reported this and we've talked about it a lot. He has a torn labrum in his shoulder. How long is it going to hold up? Is it two games? Is it eight games? Is it the rest of the playoffs and however long the Vegas season lasts? I think that's the hope for Vegas as he's battling through it. 
But what if it doesn't? And what if it happens and flares up after the trade deadline? That's another significant gamble on Lauren Boissois to carry the carry the load for a Vegas team that's in cup or bust mode. They've got Mark Stone, who will be healthy for the playoffs, hopefully. They've got Jack Eichel. They've made all these moves. They have an expensive roster. Lauren Boissois, is that really the answer? Yeah, and that's a fair point as well. Uh, let's move on here to maybe some potential solutions for these teams and maybe the prices that they could have to pay if they want to fill the hole between their pipes. And you've outlined a few players who are on the market. These guys are on your trade li- trade targets list. The high acquisition costs, Flurry, Gorgiev, and Blackwood. It's interesting because Flurry obviously appear rental. The other two could be long-term solutions for an organization. Um, when you see high acquisition costs, Is that a first round pick? Is that maybe more than that? Maybe less than that? What's that range you're looking at? Well, I think for Marc-Andre Fleury, certainly that's a first round pick. Uh, That's what the Chicago Blackhawks are asking for because like I've done in this exercise, the Chicago Blackhawks look at this and they say, well, of all the goalies that are available prior to the deadline, give me one that's a true guaranteed difference maker. Marc-Andre Fleury has the pedigree, has the Stanley Cups, has the recent success as the reigning Vezina Trophy winner to say, you can inject this guy into your roster, into your locker room, and your team's going to be better instantaneously. He's the only guy out there that you can say that about. So they're asking for a first round pick. I think the limiting factor here is the fact that Marc-Andre Fleury holds all the cards. He's only going to go to a place that he wants to go. That's the handshake agreement that they've reportedly had with the Fleury camp and the Blackhawks since he decided to resume his career and, and play out the final year of his deal. These other two guys in Alexander Georgiev and Mackenzie Blackwood, they could be interesting pieces. The problem is, well, first off, with Blackwood, he's been hurt. He has a left heel injury, and he's still probably a couple weeks away from returning and could be back before the deadline. Georgiev and Blackwood have both struggled the last couple seasons. So, um, you know, you're rolling the dice a little bit in terms of immediate impact. Maybe if you work with them longer term, you can get their game back to where it needed to be. But Flurry's the only guy that really sticks or stands out as someone that you can count on. And the Rangers have been asking for a first-round pick for Georgiev for a while. They haven't gotten it, uh, and I don't think they're going to, given, you know, look back to last summer in the trade market. Alex Nedeljkovich had a heck of a run in Carolina. He only ends up bringing back a third-round pick, so there hasn't really been much of a market in terms of asking and getting that price. Moving on to the guys who you have set at that kind of medium acquisition cost. It's an interesting list to me because Holpe, a guy that's won in the playoffs before, he's having a strong year with Dallas. Forsberg's having a career year in Ottawa. Then you have Jonas Corposalo, who is just kind of having an average, below average year, I think you could probably say. Uh, Just quickly while we wrap up this segment, what are you hearing on those three in terms of a potential cost? Well, Corposalo is not coming back to Columbus. I'd imagine a non-playoff team that wants to jump the market should be interested as a guy that they could give a little test run to to close out this season and then potentially sign uh, as their goalie for next year to get ahead of the game of musical chairs. Forsberg is interesting because he's played really well, 921 save percentage on a team that's 28th place in the league. So he's been good in a tough situation. And not only that, um, you know, I think the acquisition price is maybe the most reasonable in comparison to his actual play this season. Holtby's been good. He's rebounded to form. He's got a Stanley Cup win in 2018 with the Caps on his resume. Um, I think the Dallas Stars, for a team that's in go-for-it mode, uh, that probably is keeping 
Klingberg is probably keeping Pavelski and in fact, probably re-signing him that Holpe is one guy that you might be able to recoup some assets for because you have Anton Hudobin waiting or playing in Texas in the AHL. You can bring Hudobin up if he's healthy, have him back up Jake Ottinger, who's clearly the guy, and then maybe get a little bit something as opposed to having all of your UFAs, including Holpe and Radulov walking for absolutely nothing in the summer. Quickly, is this a buyer's or a seller's market? This is probably a buyer's market. I think there's more goalies available maybe than teams end up actually doing something. But it's really hard to say. I I think at the end, it might just be neutral. Fair enough. All right, let's uh, move along here. And we're actually going to have a little bit more deadline talk with our friend Chris Peters in another edition of The Next Wave. It's the next wave delivered, as always, by our friends over at DoorDash. Chris Peters, always a pleasure having you on the show and some deadline themed prospect talk here, because as we head towards the big day on March 21st, you know, it's always, you know, will this guy get a first? Will this guy get a second? But who are some teams that could maybe be dipping into their prospect pool instead of their draft pool at the deadline? Yeah, well, you know, there are a lot of teams that have big prospects pool big deep prospect pools like the New York Rangers and the Los Angeles Kings that have spent time rebuilding their system. And that gives them flexibility. What it does is it allows them to trade maybe a prospect or they can trade that first round pick because they feel like they have enough in their system. And in both New York's and LA's case, that's where they can do that. Carolina has a really interesting prospect pool. It's, you know, one of their most recent top prospects, Seth Jarvis immediately went to the NHL roster, but there are, so there are guys that he kind of jumped in line to get in there, like Ryan Suzuki, who's on there, and and Jack Drury, who's really had an exceptional season in the AHL and has, has developed and has been a mid-round pick that provides a lot of value. But as you see there, you know, there there's there's options. And you look at the Rangers and you say either one of bring, uh, all those guys up there are first-round draft picks. I don't think that they're necessarily eager to pray, trade away Braden Schneider, for instance, where he is actually playing on the NHL roster right now. But they are loaded on the right side of their blue line, and that makes Nils Lundqvist a little bit more interesting, you know, and maybe available, which you would not have thought of even two years ago or last year that he would be an option. But these are teams that have done so well drafting and have so many spots. They're not going to be able to give them to all of these guys. So you have to find a way to make sure that those prospects are assets and not just, you know, guys that are going to be waiting in the minors for a long time. So this might be a time as you're contending, as you're looking for a playoff spot, as you're trying to shore things up, to use some of those prospects in your system that you previously wouldn't have ever considered moving along. I'm glad you mentioned that, Chris, because I actually got crushed by the Rangers fans on social media for mentioning Braden Schneider in my piece, uh, in our war room piece about the top objectives for these teams in the Metro. And the reason why I mentioned Schneider is exactly the room that you're talking about. If you've got Adam Fox and you have Jacob Truba signed to long-term deals on your right side, just tell me where Braden Schneider is fitting into the mix if you believe he's trending towards being an upper echelon defenseman. Is he going to unseat Truba? How are you going to move Truba's contract if indeed Schneider actually gets there to be that case? They've got Zach Jones on the left side, which is why I think it keep, makes sense to keep Zach Jones. You're going to need someone on the left. Where is Schneider trending and does that make any sense to you as well if, if you were to be looking at the Rangers from an organizational perspective? 
Yeah, it's interesting. I think if you looked between Braden Schneider and Nils Lundqvist coming into the season, who would be the more tradable asset? You'd say Braden Schneider. And he's certainly one of the most desirable assets, but he has trended up in such a way that I do think that I, I fully understand why Rangers fans are jumping down your throat because he's big, he's physical, he has puck moving abilities, he does all those things well. And I do think he's potentially the heir to Jacob Truba in the top four, but that would make Jacob Truba a very expensive bottom pairing defenseman if it ended up that way. So, um, but he's not there yet. And he's, I think you, you want to make sure that you're developing him. I think his value is only going to go up, which is why I would probably try to hang on to him and see if he can be that everyday bottom pairing guy for now, a guy that's trending towards top four. If either one of those guys gets injured, and then because of the presence of Adam Fox, and, and I even opined last uh, two years ago that, that Nils Lundqvist might consider not signing with the Rangers because they have so many right shot guys and the opportunity is not going to be there. Well, he did sign with them, and now he could be the odd man out because he's had a, taken a, a longer time to adjust to North American hockey. He was a super stud in Sweden, but he, he got to the NHL. And his opportunity isn't there to be a top four guy. So it's, you know, where does he fit in? So that's why, to me, you know, Braden Schneider is, is a hugely valuable trade piece that could get you probably just about anything you want if you wanted to move him. But then there's also the option of, well, we have the same problem with Nils Lundqvist. Is that a, is that a better option for us to move on? And does he still have enough value for us to get? You know, I think if you're looking at actual trade value between the two, Braden Schneider would be the more highly coveted prospect of those two guys. So it's all about what can you get for either one of them. A team not on that list who's expected to be active ahead of the deadline is the Florida Panthers. And one piece who, you know, probably could be a trade piece for them is Owen Tippett. 33 points in 94 career NHL games. He spent some time in the AHL this year. Actually has 12 points in nine games there. If you were a team who maybe has one of those rental pieces and the Panthers are offering you Tippett, what do you what would you view his ceiling as? I mean, I still think that in the right situation, he could be a top six scorer. You know, he hasn't been there yet, but really he's been kind of yo-yoed in the Florida Panthers system. He's gone up and down. He's had, you know, he's gone through three different coaching staffs that had various opinions about him um, where, you know, he hasn't been able to find a way into the mix. And Florida's just so deep right now. They don't have a need for a player like him. And so this is an opportunity, I think, for teams to potentially buy lower on him. And it's unfortunately for the Panthers, it'd be selling it, selling low on an asset. But I still think that, that he has enough value as a potential top six scorer in the right situation that, you know, you could get, he, he would make a lot of sense as part of a package for one of those rental players. And you don't really have a spot for him anyway. You have other guys in your system that you're trying to figure out what you can do with like Grigori Denisenko and, and some others and say like, where, where is he going to fit in? So I do think that Tippett makes the most sense right now as a, you know, essentially a sell low trade chip. But that's also true of guys like Philip Zadina in Detroit. And then, you know, uh, Gabe Velarde in, in L.A., who we had up as well, you know, as a potential sell low kind of option where you can include them in a package and you really didn't have a spot for them anyway. Always fantastic, Chris. Uh, the next wave delivered by our friends at DoorDash. Do you want 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order? Boom, promo codes, bottom of the screen. DFODD in Canada, DFODD in the US. Chris, we'll chat with you next week.
Moving along to our inbox question, hashtag AskDFO. We touched on it just quickly off the top of the show, but a hat trick for Austin Matthews. He's now five goals clear of Chris Kreider in the Rocket Richard race. The question today, fill in the blank. Austin Matthews will finish the year with goals. Frank, what's your answer? 65. Now, he's on pace this season for 62.4. However, that's only at 0.8 goals per game, which is his season average. It doesn't take into an account the heater that he's been on, 18 in his last 17, north of a goal per game. Two hat-tricks in that stretch will certainly help. But I think he's... He's playing like a man possessed. He's playing like one of the very best players in the league. He's picking up this team at a point when their goaltending hasn't been good enough and he's, they've been able to outrun it because of the goals that they've been getting from guys like Matthews and Bunting. That line has been ridiculous. Uh, I say Austin Matthews, 65 goals. You? Uh, I had this written down, so I'm not just doing it to prices right you or anything like that, but I had 64 written down again. He's basically on pace for 63. I'm sure there will come a point down the stretch where he goes two or three games at some point without a goal, and that'll knock down the average a little. But the, you know, you're shaking your head. You're going to call me, what, a non-believer in Austin Matthews? 64 goals. No, I, I just lot. think he, he will have a couple that he doesn't score in because that's just the fact of life in hockey. Yeah. But. He also has a chance to score two or three more hat-tricks, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's insane the run he's been on. Frank says 65. I said 64. And uh, we'll move along to our daily bets segment. And uh, not a good night for me yesterday. And it's a quiet, quiet night in the NHL with just two games on tap. But let's jump into them courtesy of our friends at PointsBet. And I'm doing something a little bit differently today as I search for value on a mini two-game slate. If you take the adjusted team totals here, this is a very weird in-depth bet, but you can get the Oilers over two and a half goals against Washington at minus 250. You can get the Canucks at over two and a half goals against Montreal at minus 200. Parlay those together. It's a plus 110 payout. The Oilers have hit that mark in seven of their last 10 games, including the last time they beat the Washington Capitals about a month and a half ago. Washington, they just allowed four last night. The Calgary Flames as well. The Oilers score pretty well on home ice. I think they can score three goals. And you go to that Vancouver matchup as well. The Canucks have actually scored over two and a half goals in nine of their last 10. So I don't necessarily trust the Oilers to win that game against Washington. And the Habs have been pesky. They've been costing me some money recently. So I don't really want to bet against the Habs either. But I think both Edmonton and Vancouver can at least get their offenses going tonight. Parlaying them to each score over two and a half goals at plus 110 is my first play. And my second bet, going back to that Edmonton matchup, Darnell Nurse has been playing a ton as the Oilers deal with some injuries on their back end. And he's also been seeing a lot of time on that top power play unit. He's got a point in three of his last five games. They've all been assists, but I like the value taking him to just pick up one point tonight at minus 105. And I'm also going to throw half a unit on him to get an assist at plus 165. Again, I think the Oilers can score a couple. Nurse is playing a ton and he's getting some power play time along with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So I think he should be able to scoop up a point tonight against the Capitals. And those are my two plays, Frank. Love it. That brings us to garbage time, Tyler. And my big question is, are the Toronto Maple Leafs making a mistake with Jake Muzzin and his rehab? 
you saw the cameras capture Jake Muzzin skating at practice, uh, actually by himself at the Toronto Maple Leafs practice facility on Tuesday. And it seems like the return or prognosis, it's unclear with head injuries, is probably about a month from now. That leaves, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks after the NHL's trade deadline with about three weeks of buffer time or playing time before the end of the regular season. But if that's the case, then the Toronto Maple Leafs have to account for Jake Muzzin on their salary cap and can't put him on LTIR to really make a significant splash at the NHL's trade deadline. We've talked about the issues that the Maple Leafs have, not just in goal, but in search of a second pair defenseman to either help Muzzin or because he's played so hesitant with back-to-back concussions, to replace Muzzin if he's injured. They also have a hole up front. They need help on the wing. That's a lot of needs to address really without any salary cap space. I appreciate the Leafs' need to play this by the book. I appreciate their interest in Jake Muzzin and his health and wanting to get him back healthy playing before the Stanley Cup playoffs. But for me, I'd everyone else is doing it. The Las Vegas Golden Knights, they're doing it with Mark Stone and his injury. The Tampa Bay Lightning did it with Nikita Kucherov. Park Jake Muzzin on the bench. Park him off your salary cap on LTIR. Make the significant needs that your team needs. Give them the best chance possible when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs to improve this roster. Use his $5.6 million and go out and acquire the help that you need at the deadline, and then bring back the guy that has playoff experience, a two-time Stanley Cup winner. Do you think he really needs those two or three weeks before the deadline to get right, or can he just jump back in on the playoffs? It's not like he hasn't played all season long. Look, I get that this is a sticky situation. I'm just wondering if they're making the wrong choice to play this by the book. And especially with head injuries as well, right? And a guy who's had a couple of them, like, I, it would be, you know, maybe greasy to just park him on LTIR, even if he is cleared to return. But also, if there ever was a situation where you could keep a guy out longer than maybe he needs to be, a head injury is exactly when you do that. So I think that's a tremendous point by you. But not only that, but what happens if he's planning to come back, let's say a month from now, April 10th, and then gets to that point and says, you know, I'm just not ready and ultimately ends up being out until the deadline because head injuries are so unpredictable then you've shot yourself in the foot. You didn't have the opportunity to spend that money to use that cap space to improve your team. You know, this is a tough situation all the way around. Like I said, I feel for the Leafs in the spot they're in. At the moment, they're planning on not having that money, but that means that they're not really going to be able to improve without shipping someone out. It'll be one of the many interesting storylines that we'll be keeping tabs on as we creep closer to the NHL's trade deadline on March 31st. And that's going to be a wrap for another fantastic edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Thanks to Chris Peters. Thanks to everyone who tuned in. Frank and Matt Larkin will be back on the show tomorrow. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.